0: Hey, this is Mark A. Altman, and I'm here with the hosts of the 430 movie. Steve
1: Melching. Darren Dockerman.
0: Ashley Miller. And Mark A. Altman. And now you can watch us on the Electric Now channel, available on DistroTV, Zumo, and Stir, and soon on the Electric Now app. Check us out wherever you watch podcasts. Hey, if you want to watch a great podcast that none of us are on, check out Best Movies Never Made, available every other Monday from screenwriter Josh Miller and producer Steven Scarlatta as they go behind the scenes of some of the greatest movies never made with fantastic guests like Steve Melching Ashley Miller, and a lot of other people you have heard of.
1: And not Darren Doctorman.
0: Yet. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you'll be on the show. They just invited me to be on an episode about James Bond. I wonder why. Maybe it's because I have a new book out called Nobody Does It Better, The Oral History of James Bond, available now wherever you get your books. <laughs> Hello, my name is. I, I'm so intimidated by our guests, I can't even uh, introduce them right. Hello, this is Mark A. Altman.
1: And this is Darren Doctorman,
0: and we are the Inglorious Trek Experts. And ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages, they're <laughs> back in the center ring. In the center <laughs> ring for the next installment of this contest of wills. First of all, I got Ashley With- E. Miller, returning champion. He's back, he's here, he's ready to talk Trek. Mr. Ashley Miller, welcome. Bullshit.
2: Hey, and, oh, well, hey watch it.
0: <laughs> joining <laughs> us.
3: I'm quoting Star Trek. I'm doing lines Back here. in the arena
0: for some more bread and circuses. The first citizen. <laughs> you know him as Movie Mance. We know him as Scott Mance, Trek enthusiast extraordinaire.
2: Welcome back, Scott Mance. He's back. He's back in front of the party. Back to talk about the greatness of the Kelvin Timeline Star Trek movies because we just had so much to talk about the last time with Star Trek 2009. We didn't even get into 2013 Star Trek Into Darkness. And thanks for joining us, Scott. Into 2016 Star Trek Beyond. It's a shame
3: we have no more time. I'd I'd just like to point out that we let (laughs) Scott and Darren sit next to each
0: other again. I know we're gonna have to break them up. It's but okay. Before we <laughs> before we go there, before we go there, we have a new thing we're doing on the show. A new thing. A new thing. What's all this
1: about a new thing? Well, you know, Is it as viewer mail,
0: it's viewer. Well, it's kind viewer of. mail. Uh, we've all encouraged you in the past to uh, uh, rate us on iTunes uh, to bring other people to show. The show's been doing really, really well, and, and we appreciate your support. We really do. And so we're gonna read each week. Uh, a couple of re, re- th- th- th-
2: couple uh, of uh, reviews, uh, if we can read uh, from them from <laughs> our
0: fans. So uh, I'm gonna I'm just gonna read a few samples right now. This is from um, God damn, it. use your words. I have to th- do the same thing. This with my is glasses, from uh, by the way. <laughs> John Hazard. Okay, and John Hazard, thank you for this lovely five star review. John Hazard, he says these guys know their Star Trek, and they interview some of the most amazing Trek insiders and like and Scott, Scott Manns. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. the, <laughs> the geeky references. Clever humor and little known insights fly at you at warp speed, educational as well as entertaining, heartfelt nostalgia, so much fun. Thank you, John. That's really cool.
2: There you go. Now, That's the, the Huckman, way to do that, the Huckman, the Huckman, the Huckman, the Huckman.
0: Huckman That's a new
1: DC movie. <laughs> oh, okay. Right. That Martin Scorsese, <laughs> it's would
4: a sequel not the sequel to the Irishman. Yeah. 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 So, uh,
0: <laughs> the crew aboard the podcast ship is excellent. The crew aboard the podcast ship is excellent. Okay. As a lifelong trekker, not trek enthusiast, mind you, it is so satisfying to hear true fans talk like true fans. They tackle each topic with the kind of gusto you can only find in a Captain Kirk flying kick to the face. I like that. (laughs) The best (laughs) part of finding a great podcast like this a little later, I get to binge a whole bunch before running out, which will soon happen. So beam aboard the show. It's the pan far of all Star Trek podcasts without the seven-year wait for satisfaction. Uh And when
2: we get together, it's the Kuna Talafi. That's
4: right.
0: (laughs) (laughs) At least he didn't say Citizen Kane. Okay. Now, not all the reviews are great, although I must say- <laughs> we have an average of five out of five stars, which is lovely, but not. Here's a two star review, and I okay. think it's only fair oh. uh, that absolutely we share fair. our it's detractors fair. as well as our fans. But
1: remember, we will chide you. If you write one. This
0: is from McDuck, 1977. And I just want to point out, this is not your way to get on the show in general. Writing a bad review does not necessarily mean you will get on the show. In fact, it, it is unlikely we will ever read a bad review again, so you should only write good reviews.
1: He wrote it like you started it, Jed.
0: Okay, great. He wrote a bad review. <laughs> yeah, he start, Great at first. So oh. knowledge of the show was great. But not anymore.
1: Not anymore. But not, not anymore. anymore. Not anymore. I called out. I begged for help.
0: Um, but like getting together with old friends you haven't seen for a while, the stories have been repeated and repeated and repeated. So no repeating stories apparently. Okay. Because, you know, basically they've run out of new material. Oh, that's what you think, McDuck. Scrooge McDuck. <laughs> they do enjoy entertaining themselves. That's, that's true. true. That much is certain.
1: Well, that's the only reason we do this, yeah. well, listen, Mr. Mark, McDuck. It's not
2: for the, the, the bucks. <laughs> you're reading good reviews. You're reading bad reviews. Sauce for the goose, Mr. Savick. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> sauce yeah. for the, the goose. Sauce for the McDuck.
0: <laughs> they do enjoy entertaining themselves. So if you're into that, great. Yeah, we are. As a matter <laughs> of fact, <laughs> <laughs> they're a lot like that person you know who thinks they're the smartest person in the room. And they're not afraid to tell you over and over and over again. Well, I have to tell you.
3: (laughs) You're the smartest person in the room? Say it again. I
0: I don't think I am. I think Ashley's the smartest person in the room. Oh, thank you. So (laughs) so I actually, in this case, don't think I'm the smartest person in the room. I'm close, but... (laughs) (laughs) Man, this guy's right. We are obnoxious, and we do repeat the same material.
1: But you know what? That's us. And if you don't like it, I listen, listen to the other podcasts out there. There are plenty
0: of Trek podcasts yeah. for you out there. Uh. <laughs> okay, I want to. Uh, I'm going to read one more. One more. One, one more. more. The I, Kobayashi I, I Maru. One. Okay. But, and I have not read these before is this reading a positive them. Positive so. review or a this negative? Is Zinc Adams, Zinc Adams. Okay. This is apparently from Zinc Adams. Zinc Adams. Okay. Not to be confused with um... Match Adams.
2: Yeah, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I want <would> hear <laughs> that review. The doctor. Heart, not to be confused faith with Doctor from Dagger of the Mind. Okay. That's right. Captain, Captain
0: Tristan Maru. If you're like Captain Kirk and you don't like to lose, then this I love this. Then this podcast is your Kobayashi Maru test of Star Trek Podcast. Take the lose lose of trial and error listening to podcasts and turn it into a win win with Mark and Darren. <laughs> and in this case, Ashley and Scott. I just added that. Right. It's yeah. exactly the kind of Star Trek conversation that I have with friends. Sorry to hear that. No. I feel like part of the gang with every episode. You and you are Kobayashi you Maru. Are you are part, part of the gang. gang. Even, uh,
2: McDuck. <laughs> Even McDuck. Even <laughs> McDuck. Who, who thinks that we repeat ourselves.
0: And are smarter than him. Also, I don't do- re- And that we repeat ourselves. Zink, Zink, <laughs> Z- Zink Adams says, also, I don't do reviews, so you know it's good because I took the time to write this up. Oh, well, that's well, nice. Zink Adams, we appreciate that. Thank you so much. And if you want to be featured on a future show, write a five-star review because, again, we're not going to repeat any of these nasty, re- nasty Ever reviews. Ever again. Even though we just
1: did. Yeah, that's fine. I I think it's funny. It it is. I think it's funny. I think it's funny. (laughs) What can I say? So, here we are. Once again, we play our dangerous game.
4: <laughs> <laughs> versus you know, what the history. <laughs> well you could argue
1: that hunt
0: for red october is a better star trek movie than any of the kelvin movies
2: well you could argue that galaxy quest well is that, a better star trek movie than the, any of the kelvin i movies. don't i don't think
1: we're arguing that
2: at all anyway, no, no one <laughs> I would think we'd all agree so,
0: l- l- let's sum up so we, a couple weeks ago we did a podcast of star trek 2009 for the 10th anniversary right mm-hmm. scott huge fan Talked about it at Atlanta, how much he loves the movie, how he even emailed JJ on the anniversary of the release. And, and JJ replied, was very happy to hear from right. him. And he replied, and he replied. Within, within hours. He replied within hours. Within hours. Hours, hours could seem like days. Hours so minutes. Um, <laughs> but minutes
2: can seem like hours. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and then, of course, um, uh, Darren, less of a fan, expressed why. Had a lot of good points, salient points about why he's not a fan of 2009. How uh, he feels that it doesn't honor uh, the original Star Trek. Really interesting to hear you two talk about it. So you know, the plan had been to do the whole Kelvin universe, but we—you spent so much time talking about Star Trek 2009—we never got to uh, uh, Into Darkness and Beyond, as well as Ashley's
3: little experience, little
0: experience in the Kelvin universe. Uh, so today we're going to do
1: that.
3: Mm-hmm. Let's do that. Let's story, do that.
2: Let's
0: do it. The saga continues.
2: We're, this, we're wasting precious time repeating I ourselves. Be grateful Admiral, our get the you word. As you know, the
1: Kelvin's began when they reduced the crew to little compact shapes and crushed some of them. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Wait, those are the Kelvin's. Hey, Kel- we do not, Kel- not colonize. We conquer. we conquer. We rule.
2: There's That's no true. other way for us.
0: We totally rule. Can I just say that by, by any other name, and I've said this before, sorry, but <laughs> I, maybe not everyone's listened to every freaking episode. I love that episode.
2: It's a great- yeah. Underrated e- episode. Absolutely. it, yep. it is. A, what makes By Any Other Name great it's is green. it starts off, at, well, for the first half of that episode, it is intense. There, the the pacing it just flies by. There there's some great mm-hmm. action, you know. They get and there's something that that you don't see a lot from the original series. There was continuity when he yes! says, "I was just going to say that." I right. love when when Rajan says there's an energy barrier at the end of your end of your galaxy, yes. and he goes, We're "Yes, brilliant. I know." We've yeah. been well, and
0: not only that, when when Spock does the uh, the trick to convince the guard that there's a multi legged uh, thing on his shoulder, they the say oh, like you 7. did on a mini R seven. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It right. was
2: great twice in one episode continuity. But the other thing about it that's actually kind of brilliant you know the the episode was i think it was co-written by Jer- jerome bixby, jerome bixby mm-hmm. yes and uh, dorothy fontana is that after they get through the barrier the episode turns into, into a, comedy. a comedy yeah now here's an example of that shift that worked because I've actually pointed this out to our friend Mark Cushman, who wrote that these are the Voyages books. Like, why does the shift from drama to comedy work in by any, by any other name, but the shift from drama to comedy did not work in Spock's brain, and that mm-hmm. was directed by Mark Daniels. Mm-hmm. Even though the first half of Spock's brain is actually pretty good. I'm right. hanging
0: on your every word, Dick. But but uh,
2: by, by any other name when it shifts and you know, Scotty's trying to get the guy drunk with it, its green and you know Kirk's hitting on uh, one of the, the you know the, the what's Barbara Boucher. Yeah. She's you know, it's it works. It works. And it's such a great uh Calinda. uh uh you know, uh, it plays right into what makes the original series so great. You know, you would welcome us. Uh, will you welcome invaders? No, but we would welcome friends. It's a great episode. I cannot tell you how many times when I get home at night and I just want to veg out and chill and watch something comfortable. Not only do I watch the original series, but I put that episode mm. on. Anyway, there and you it's, go.
1: But, but there's also something in it that is that lets your imagination run wild when Spock describes— the Kelvins they as really they actually like exist. Right. As oh, a thousand arms oh, with, uh, <laughs> yeah. with yeah. you know, with a uh, 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 specific... Limbs yeah, resembling tentacles. Yeah, that, that have uh, specific, uh, uh, specific capabilities of each. That, I mean, just that description makes you go insane. That's amazing. What I love about that episode is it's not a top 10 episode. It's not even a top
0: 51 episodes of right. all time, obviously, yes. because it wasn't on our list. But it's just a solidly
2: entertaining, very entertaining, fun... Mm-hmm. Episode that's extremely well done. And I think Warren Stevens and William Shatner, their scenes together are very good. They're, they're great. They're very good. They play really well off each other. You know, they're both veterans of the genre. You know, Shatner from The Twilight Zone and Outer Limits, and of course, uh, Warren Stevens from Forbidden, Forbidden Planet, Planet, which was yeah. a Doc- massive inspiration. Dr. Oscar. And it's
0: a great contrast. Uh, because this third season had virtually the same episode, Wink of an Eye is virtually the same mm-hmm. episode. True. With a sci-fi twist with the accelerate, and it just goes to show how much better second season is the third season, because by any other name, great, solid episode, no comment. Wink of an eye is a really stupid episode, yeah. but and it's basically entertaining the same plot.
2: by third season standards. Yeah. So I have to say, I think like, I do with like Wink pretty. of an Eye, but but again, you know, you you have the the thing that makes the the relationship between Rojan and Kirk work so well is that they respect each other, right? You know, I mean, Rojan even says, In "I respect morning. your devotion to your you know your crew, but I have mine." And you know, sorry, but we're going yeah, to Andromeda. Well, it's work and sorry, Kirk, and Captain, eat some solid
3: food, will you? <laughs> so from what it's, it's worth, I think the the reason why by any other name works the way that it does when it makes that tonal shift and say Spock's brain doesn't is because everything that happens in the first half of that that episode is is building to that moment mm-hmm. when the crew turns it around right on the kelvins right and because we're now like we're we're with them in you know in kind of in that turnaround and taking control of the enterprise back we're allowed to have fun with it it's a it's a release that feels earned from all the tension in spock's brain it's not that suddenly we're turning the problem around it's that suddenly the problem starts starts
2: to feel silly and it undoes the stakes and it's just yeah no yeah. I you're, you're right and you, I think you hit it on the nail on nail on the head perfectly but I just remember when I was a little kid growing up and you know I like like you guys I I was definitely of the syndication generation that is how I discovered Star Trek it was on every night at seven syndication generation. generation I like that That's a good syndication book title. generation we call the podcast we, that. <laughs> we are the ones <laughs> Who put Star Trek on the map after right. it, you know, was deemed a failure on NBC. Mm. We are the ones who made it popular, that got it going again, that, that appreciated it in all the right ways. But it I held remember the
1: torch in the in the in the low years.
2: But it it definitely led we wouldn't be sitting here talking about it if it That's wasn't right. for our generation, it, for yes. the syndication generation. True that. But as I was getting into Star Trek, it, they had they were in the beginning of season two and it was on every night. So I'm watching Doomsday Machine, a mock time, a changeling. Uh, my favorite Metamorphosis, yes, uh, know. you know, mirror, mirror, like, like every episode, one after another was great. I'm like, holy Toledo, and I was like six, seven years old, getting mm-hmm. into it. But I vividly remember being at my grandmother's in downtown Philadelphia, and uh, they, they all had gone out. Uh, my grandmother with my parents, and I stayed in to watch Star Trek, and I just remember this teaser of uh you know the the they they froze the crew they froze the uh the uh, the they landing party they produced the whole crew they, uh, but yes <laughs> and they but they, they they froze the whole landing party and that that monologue and I'm John F. Kelva, your commander from this moment on is so calm about yeah. it you know uh, any efforts to resist us will be severely punished you humans have faced the end of your existence as you have Known it and Kirk is frozen, mm-hmm. and then, like, that's a teaser.
4: Yeah, that's a, that's teaser. a teaser.
0: That is a teaser. It's so funny <laughs> you say that because you know, to prepare for this Michael Dorn interview we were doing, I was watching a lot of Old Next Generation uh, and I watched Sins of the Father but I remember that was a great episode. I hadn't watched it in a long time, and I literally I watched it and it's still a great episode, but I watched the thing, and the teaser ended. I literally said out loud. I said, "What kind of teaser is that?" <laughs> and my wife comes in and she's like, "Are you like, okay?" Yeah, she's like, "What?" I didn't. <laughs> yeah. I said, "You know what? Nothing happened. Why would anyone keep watching that? Right, I don't right. understand." Oh. like nothing happens. It's like literally people sitting around talking and there's no cliffhanger, there's nothing that drives you in the credits. I wish I remembered specifically what happened, but it was just like I mean, I, I said I couldn't
4: believe it.
0: Yeah. I mean, start original starting knew how to do teasers. I just I
2: don't get not you know don't even then have a teaser like you have three minutes, three or four minutes right. to grab people well, and and look at these grab three the or syndication four generation by the throat. If it's not really
3: teasing you, then it's not it's not really a teaser. Then right. is it? It's just a beginner. A beginner.
2: But that is starter. why- A beginner is a very delicate time. Yes. This is, this is my my sake back into the Kelvin timeline films. Oh, that it, it would have worked. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> You're not dodging a bullet, Mr. Man. Uh. But the teaser for Star Trek 2009 was brilliant. The teaser mm-hmm. with George Kirk- It's a great teaser. It is a great teaser for a
0: movie. Darren talked about what he didn't like about it last time, Mm. so we're not going to belabor the point. No. I think in in terms of an action scene, you know, people being sucked out in the space and all that. It's blown out, sir.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
4: It's a very
0: very effective, uh, it's definitely a very effective teaser. Mm. Great effects, you know, great sacrifice, all that. But getting back to By Any Other Name, (laughs) I have to say, you know, you mentioned this great Shatner moment in the teaser. I absolutely love when uh, they turn the security guard and the ye- yeoman into um, cubes. Oh yeah! And you don't know which one is going to get destroyed. Right. You know, this one can be restored. This one, you know, and he crushes. He crushes in the hand. This person is dead. He sees the 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 woman is dead. The yeoman and the the, the, the and he, the, the look of. Agony on Shannon. Right. Why could have been the other guy? Right. Uh, he knew what he was getting into. Burn. But it was like this <laughs> poor yeoman,
1: and he does this look of just completely being it's, gutted
0: it's, it's by it. It's the
2: look of well, now what am I going to do Thursday night? <laughs> <laughs> but those moments, I have to say, when when Kirk had a moment of of uh, sadness where he he absorbed what just mm-hmm. happened, absorbed it. Like uh, yeah, you will be absorbed. Uh, but like for example in. Uh, devil in the dark when he loses the crewman and he mm-hmm. bends down and he's just sad or in uh um uh, what's the other episode where where he uh uh oh what am i thinking of there was another episode where where kirk lost oh uh, in the apple you know mm-hmm. oh, when he yeah. lost you know what, like four red shirts <laughs> right. yeah. yeah yeah he lost <laughs> four red shirts and he's a uh, you know i knew the this family now now this one i mean you know uh but that's what makes him such a such a fully realized because
0: character. Because he feels, I, I look. He, he has this like Bill Clinton thing. Where you, he just, whether it's real or not, he you, he feels so deeply. You can tell, like that he there's such empathy and it's such, you know, it's like Chandra's like so. Oh my God, you know, the the, the loss oh, is on his face. Another
2: great moment in *By Any Other Name* is towards the end of Act Two when they get into the turbo lift and McCoy, uh, sorry, Spock and Scotty tell Kirk about the final option. You know, Mm -hmm. and Kirk about you know when we get to the barrier. Oh yeah, will the Enterprise will be destroyed? The Kelvin's will be stopped here, and Scotty goes, and so will we. And Kirk goes, are you mad? I can't just and then the door opens and it's like, (laughs) I know. Take (laughs) your places, gentlemen. We're (laughs) about to hit the barrier. That's a great scene. It's it's a great scene. The tension of it, just the break, like 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 he. Couldn't even make the decision right there. Right. He has to be on the spot with it, and then just at the end of that, uh, at that act where they're, you know, Kirk is in the chair of Rojan is next to him. They're approaching the barrier, and just the the music. It's just yeah. such a and great And then when Rojan calls
0: him out on it afterwards, it's like you don't try that again. Yeah, like- we have taken
2: some measures to ensure that you never try to mess with me again. So pal. great, it's yeah. so we, great. We
1: detected it, of course. By the way, <laughs> yeah. I have to say, speaking of watching
0: stuff, so I was watching Sins of the Father*. Um, I, I, it was one of the few times I didn't have any original Star Trek episodes on during the break. But I did have, you know what I did have on? What did and you I have got on? chastised for Uh-oh. it. I had Inglorious Trek on Stir oh. TV. Um, and, and it seemed like you every were time ourselves. I snuck a peek yeah. at our show, oh, my so kids so would below. come in and say, Dad, how narcissistic are you <laughs> sitting watching yourself on television <laughs> and I'm like, it was a mistake I didn't like, I mean I it I would change the channel and then inevitably like the next day like you know it'd be like 10 o'clock at night or whenever it came on and I'd be watching the sh- Inglorious Treks and they'd be like hey we're going to sleep now I was like what are you doing? <laughs> I'm like, well, it's a good episode. Walter Koenig is on, so uh, I actually enjoy watching the show because it's been a while since we recorded them, and <laughs> I, I, I get a kick out of it. You know, a- absent friends. You know, so uh, some of our guests. Uh, Scott was on recently on uh, on a wonderful episode where we were talking about um, Star the Trek one with the, Lex- and- with the with with we were talking about Star Trek. Yes, <laughs> yeah, right? that's were. We uh,
2: the time travel ones.
0: We we talked about right. and there was and, the uh, one love stories. The, the love stories. You were talking about metamorphosis. Metamorphosis. So you just put on a loop. We your could. We could episode. do a
2: whole episode, or at least I could, on the greatness of metamorphosis. Why don't we do that now? Uh, <laughs> I think I, I would be happy to do that now.
0: No, we 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 have come to talk about the uh, the um, the Kelvin verse, not by any other name, <laughs> the other Kelvin verse. Um, so look, clearly huge fan. We know of Star Trek two thousand nine. Darren, not a huge fan two thousand nine. What was your response to when Into Darkness?
2: Okay. Now, what I remember about seeing Star Trek Into Darkness in May of 2013, and you were at the same screening that I I was was at. I was. It was at the AMC Century City. Mm -hmm. And so overall, you know, all the sort of, you know, J.J. and the rest of the cast and the rest of the crew in pre-interviews for the film, they were being very coy. This is not Khan. This is some guy named John Harrison, played by Benedict Cumberbatch. And even in a, uh, a, a an extended clip that they showed, uh, they they he was ID'd as John Harrison. Mm-hmm. But you know, everyone knew that everyone he was playing. Knew. Everyone it was the worst kept secret in in Star Trek land. And the tip off for me, like the at the point in the film when I. I knew for sure, without a doubt, that this was going to be a bizarro version of Wrath of Khan, was when they mentioned how many torpedoes there are, Mm. 72, Mm -hmm. that was the tip. Because remember in act two of Space Seed, Mm -hmm. Scotty is still on the Botany Bay and Kirk is on the bridge, Mm -hmm. and Scotty says, 72, still operating, half of those, uh, 30 of them are women. Seventy-two was the number that made me go, "This is absolutely Jay Z's take on Wrath of Khan," and I was fine with that because up to that point, while I thought it was a very busy film, definitely a bigger, heavy, uh, a heavier emphasis on action instead of like just character-driven moments that I loved in to the 2009 movie. I still liked the characters. I still loved the actors playing these characters. I loved the dynamic of the chemistry. I loved all that stuff. The the point where I really had a problem, and I and I know that other people had a problem long before it even got to this point, but the point where I had a problem with Into Darkness was when it does become an inverse version of Wrath of Khan. Instead of Spock being the one that sacrificed himself and died, it was Kirk who sacrificed himself to die. Mm-hmm. And the moment when Spock, Zachary Quinto, yells Khan, I cringed. I cringed, I sunk back in my seat, and I went, oh, they went there. They really, really went there. You maniacs! You blew it up! <laughs> Damn you all to hell! Um, but that I, I I remember when the movie was over, really conflicted, because I liked the film as it was, not as much as 2009, but I still enjoyed it. But that point really, really bothered me, mm. because... You know what, the 2009 movie, they established this alternate timeline, basically freeing them of all this Mm -hmm. canon, and they could do whatever the hell they wanted. The sky was the limit. They could have made the second J.J. film anything, something original, a new villain, a new story that actually has a social commentary. Go figure, like the original series. And what do they do? They remake Wrath of Khan. Well, what was so
0: interesting, too, about that decision, and you could argue misguided decision, was that so much of the impact of Wrath of Khan hinged on the fact that Kirk and Khan had this history, that he stranded him on the planet, left him behind, and uh, without that kind of... um, Instead, the history is with this Peter Weller character that we have no investment in. Um, So, okay, so you had mixed feelings about it. There's a lot you liked about it, things you didn't. um, Didn't like the flip on Khan, um, Darren, what was your uh, feeling about Darkness when you saw it?
1: My feeling was oh. that they had all these great elements and just screwed it up. You, you could have a great story, still using Benedict Cumberbatch as another one of the genetic supermen. That you know he can say that he's Khan, mm. you know, and just sort of get rid of Khan's uh, uh, crypt you know yeah yeah he can he can perform the coup off screen and and basically take his identity even though you know the problem with it is that they're relying on the audience to have a like mark said to have a previous idea of who khan is and how he relates to star trek and wrath of khan does this in a very economical way they tell the story during the the movie, yes. that even if you haven't seen the original episode, you can still get an idea of who Khan was and why he's there and what his goal is. Here they just assume that all of that is written and the audience knows it and the problem is when he, when Cumberbatch says I'm Khan, <laughs> in the in the movie. In the movie. And you're waiting for a sting. Itself. No
2: one should know who that is. Right, right. right. Like Karaka should look at him yeah. and go, who? Who? Right. Yeah. That right. that, that, it, that is
0: something that made Khan? Gross. It needed to be tossed
3: <laughs> off, and instead it was kind of given this import that yeah. it hadn't quite that earned. That had earned. Exactly. Yeah. Right, right. My unearned.
0: name is Khan the Noonien Singh. The whole movie
1: is unearned. Much like my my... Problems with JJ storytelling in other uh, uh, universes. <laughs> um, it's unearned. You need to have a, you need to have storytelling ability, and 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 tell your story. Give the audience enough information so that they will be with you when revelations happen, or when things change around, or where when you are telling something that doesn't
2: you know that is supposed to be a flip on something that your story was leading to. You know. You, you both, you all hit on on the the crucial point: is that it's not earned. I remember when we saw the film, the first time, thinking, "What's the difference? What is the his guy? The guy's name could be anything." Mm-hmm like so and why was he hiding his name like yeah. nobody in this alternate universe has any idea who the guy is because they never met him before right. they never came across the botany bay in space like the enterprise did right. 15 years before in the prime universe and the beauty of wrath of khan is you do not need to see space seed right you do not need to see because it because the they take you along and they give you just enough information bay. so that you botany know botany bay But, what's but the moment the moment between kirk and carol marcus when Kirk is having a midlife crisis already, and he says, "As a man out there, I haven't seen in fifteen years who's trying." Well, to he kill was fifty something. Yeah, yeah, he was in old. his early fifties when yeah. he made the uh, Wrath of Khan, um, and it seems quite young by these days. Really I'm, as young, so young. <laughs> I'm as old as Kirk was in uh, in Star Trek Two, but you're now, so much younger. No, mind boggling. I, that's definitely. an interesting point you make. I never
1: assumed Kirk was talking about Khan. There, I thought Kirk was talking about David. Uh, really? Yeah, because wow. they had just finished that big fight wait, what, where David I, had the night. Wait a minute. C- wait, what are you talking what? about? I'm confused. No, 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 There's what, a man out there
2: trying to kill me who I haven't He's seen. seen in... I haven't seen in 15 years. But he didn't. He's, so you thought he was referencing the fight that he just had with David? Yes.
0: Oh, I thought it was Khan. I, I don't He's talking about
2: it? Because know about I Khan?
0: Because now David is complicated. There's already this guy who's trying to
1: kill him. I haven't seen him fifteen years. Because
2: David was
0: trying to kill him just moments before. Yeah, but he hasn't never seen him. It hasn't been fifteen years. Uh, He
1: has. This is he has because David knows who Kirk is. He told me that overgrown boy scout that you used to hang around with. He did meet him, and it could certainly have been 15 years since then. They were going to put up oh, a Twitter poll. That, that
3: is literally the, the that blows my mind more than anything that's ever been <laughs> yeah, said yeah, on this show. I yeah. actually <laughs> yeah. thought. I mean, like you know what? I
2: could see where <laughs> you think that. Yeah. That is a valid interpretation of well, that conversation. Well, I got my number. Let's, Let's call just call him. Hey, Ned, anchor for us. That was the Irishman. But back to but back to Into Darkness. Um, I think initially when I saw it it was definitely a jarring thing that that last bit and, mm-hmm. and and having Spock yell Khan that iconic moment that you're drawing no matter how how you execute it you're you're trying to you're, you're trying to do your own version of, of definitely the best Star Trek movie, I think, um, and one of the greatest sequels ever made and definitely one of the greatest sci-fi movies ever made. Mm-hmm. And you're already going to draw unfair compar- valor. comparisons. It's to that stolen We're valor. We're also emulating you're right, a yes,
0: great pop valor. culture moment, right. not a great moment of that film, because the reality is, him yelling "Khan" is borderline can't be ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, where it has become this legendary thing because of the Shatner of it all, yeah. beca- because. But of in the Kitch. context
1: of the movie, it's but, ludicrous.
0: But but in yeah. the context, right? And so to, to to emulate that when you're paying homage is, is kind of crazy, right. right? Yeah, because well, it, it's it, only going to provoke laughter.
2: Well, it, that's what it it, it's, it didn't provoke laughter. It and I felt like uh, embarrassed at mm-hmm. that moment because it didn't work. Yeah. But after some time, after you know, I sort of stewed on it for a little while. I you know went back saw it again, and you know I still don't like that moment in the film. But I still think there are the movie does have its merits. I don't like it as much as two thousand nine. Uh, I I I just think that they blew a golden opportunity to pave their own way, go their own way, do their own thing, and they 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 took mm-hmm. the easy way out by trying to redo something that's been done, but. Not as much as 2009, but I, I still think I liked so, Into Darkness for so the most people. So I want to ask you
0: because you um, you're somewhere in the middle. You were mm-hmm. ma- actually in the middle between these two guys. The the <laughs> the undiluted passionate love fest that was Scott, and the 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 the, the, the disdain. Uh, on the part of Mr. Jackman. You were somewhere in the stain middle. The
3: stain becomes a warning.
0: So, can you where were you on Darkness? What what kind of, you know, what was your impression when you went to see it and 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 where does it fall for you and how do you put all these pieces together?
3: Okay. First, I got to see the premiere of Into Darkness. I got to go. I was so excited. It was like um it was a it was a moment for me, as a as a Trek fan, because like like Scott, I have a, a a lot of affection for for 2009. I don't think anybody has as much affection as Scott has for anything in the <laughs> world. But um, but I think my feelings about Into Darkness ultimately are are very close to to Scott's, but it's actually still somewhere between Scott and and Darren. I I think. I I didn't have an issue with the fact that it was a story about. Khan I think where it fell down for me was if if the franchise was going to do that if the films were going to do that then it needed to be an interpretation that told us a, a story about it that we otherwise had not seen for one brief shining moment that movie did it when when uh, Kirk and Khan have to team up Mm. to go over mm-hmm. to the other mm-hmm. ship, right? When I went, oh, this is gonna be a movie about how Kirk and Khan are on the same yes. team. And oh, I would of wow. loved that. That's amazing. And what happened with the movie that I think ultimately hurt it as much as the, you know, Zachary Quinto yelling Khan and Kirk, you know, dying in the in the engine room. Um is the fact that that movie had a third act already right it like it gets to that point where spock finally like he gets on comms and he's like yep i'm gonna kill all 72 of your dudes Mm -hmm. right it's Mm -hmm. and and you're like wow holy crap like check out the big swing and you know what on spock ears and the movie yes (laughs) and that movie reaches its emotional climax it's over sure we can have like a little bit of like the action whatever um but it's Done, man. It's like we've just defeated the villain, and now all of a sudden we have to restart the film, mm-hmm. and we restart the film with this little curly cue of a story point that requires Kirk to go and do a thing that right. feels like you know it's 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 inevitable, kind of in a in a in a not great way, uh, and all the the emotions are just in the they're in the wrong place, and we literally end this film on a fist fight. Yeah, and I have to yeah. tell you, the uh, the irony of that for me was. Um you know, I, I worked on the, the second season of, of Fringe. And it was on the second season of Fringe that I, I personally like codified one of my little rules, which was the story should never end in a fist fight unless it's a Rocky movie. <laughs> <laughs>
4: uh, but even
3: then it doesn't really end on the fist fight. It ends on like on surviving that fist fight. So I thought that was problematic. I, I think that um that there were things about that film uh that I dug. I mean I I, I love those actors in those roles I do too um, I love their relationships I, I, I love the way that they've kind of found their, their own dynamic mm-hmm. um, and and I think that there were some really good fun scenes in that movie and I think that it was potentially super interesting I thought Peter Weller was great if underused um, but ultimately it, it, we had this film that didn't deliver on like the sort of this one thing it served up that was such an amazing idea and then left us with a with a third act that felt both like we'd been there and then like it wasn't what we
2: wanted. I didn't want to see Spock punching out Khan. Mm-hmm.
3: You, you know, know you, not for any you reason. You bring
2: up a great point. I remember watching the movie for the first time, and when you get to the point when Kirk and Khan team up and there's this is like very uneasy alliance, they clearly don't trust each other, and Kirk even says, like, something like I, I don't know. You know, he's like very unsure. But it was a great dynamic that we really didn't see in right. either, uh, you know, Space Seed or Like mm-hmm. and, and then it just, like you said, it just went something completely different that right. didn't work. Because that whole sequence is awesome. And then, like, the movie just feels
3: like it needs to keep going. Well, it feels like, um, okay, I got to go.
1: You guys have fun. <laughs> um, do whatever it is you do. And uh, I'll see you later. See, I had a different take on that because I feel like... In the history
0: of, of 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 the Star Trek movies, there are very few great action set pieces, um, because largely because of budget, you know. it's like to me, like you know, one of the things that I really love is is the deflector dish battle in First Contact, mm-hmm. just because it's something we haven't seen before. And I kind of agree. With, when they team up, it's nice because that little. Um, Orbital pursuit, where they're flying through mm-hmm. to, from ship through to ship, stuff. it's clever. You know, well, was the greatest action scene in the world? No, but uh, but it, it's it's clever and it's interesting. We haven't seen it before. But well, right. Except
1: in oh9 where it was in. Uh,
0: uh, well, that was different. But that was different. It, that it was, was you know exactly the, the, on the, the mining same.
1: platform. I, I felt it was different. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, anyway, the
0: platform, the, yeah. so so the. Um, you know, then in the end, you get that chase on that CGI, do CGI thing. Drain. I don't even remember what yeah. the hell it was.
3: Uh, and and and, yeah. and
0: and it it's like almost like okay, well, Chris Pine and Zachary Quinto are sort of equal above the title billing. So now we had this resolution with Captain Kirk. Now we have to do a yeah, whole most scene with part. Spock. So and you know and 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 here he is, the Vulcan slugging it out with. Which Con, is still unnecessary because he would already so solved the superfluous problem. Superfluous and, and absurd, and it looks terrible, and it's just like it's like something out of a Marvel movie, but a bad Marvel movie. Well, but the, the,
2: the it's out of a DC movie. There is a feeling overall, I think, of Into Darkness that they're right; they're trying to throw everything in, including mm-hmm. the kitchen sink. Yeah, and in this case, the kitchen sink was bringing back Leonard Nimoy. Again, right? Like you gave him a great send off, really, in 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 two thousand nine when he says, uh "At the risk of uh, self serving, I'll just say good luck." Yeah, it was a great like Spock telling his alternate self, you know, to uh, go your way, really. And then they bring it back again, and it's like, uh, "Tell me about Khan." Uh, what? Like that was preposterous. That was that was lazy.
0: Well, it dimin- mm-hmm. it's not lazy. It diminishes your characters because they can't figure it out for themselves. Right. They need to be told that Khan is bad. They right. You know. So it makes them look dumb. You know. Look, it's always great to see Leonard. For me, I'm happy to see Leonard. But that scene seemed, uh, you know, just r- kind of ridiculous. Uh, because, like I said, it diminishes the characters. It's not the right place. It's not. You're not utilizing him correctly mm-hmm. by having him there and you know it's just you don't want to let it go it's like you're like oh we Leonard helped bring a certain audience so we if we have Leonard in here it's going to get some buzz but it it wasn't in there for a real narrative reason that made sense which is unfortunate Um, but of course it is also his last appearance on screen Uh, and having
2: said all of that keep in mind that Star Trek in the darkness currently is still the highest grossing Star Trek movie worldwide and when I say that you might think oh wow but when you hear the number you think That's it. $467 million worldwide.
0: Well, and it also cost a lot more than the Star Trek 2009. It was 190. It's not the most profitable. It's the highest grossing. And those numbers can be very misleading. We've talked about this Mm -hmm. on the show a lot. Sorry. Uh, but I'll <laughs> repeat myself. But the uh, you know Star Trek the motion picture, so but you know was a forty three million dollar movie. But most of that was development costs from the TV show and the previous iteration of the movies. Case so two. it didn't really cost forty three million dollars, yeah. and it still made money.
2: It made, but the, it was. Uh, after Voyage Home, it was the second highest grossing movie from the original. Yeah, so it's very misleading
0: on. to look at these grosses and be able to say, you know, I mean, I think adjusted for inflation, probably, uh, uh, you know, Star Trek II or Star Trek IV is, is, is probably the most profitable.
2: Why? Why, fellas? Why? When you look at this, those those three Star Trek films, the Kelvin timeline movies, made in, you know, with, with, the, with, the, with, the, hot, with the modern Hollywood mindset mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. of franchises and reboots and all that stuff and sequels, you have- Event, The Avengers movies, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you have the Star Wars movies that make you know over a billion dollars worldwide, in some cases over $2 billion worldwide. A Star Trek movie has yet to cross $500 million mm-hmm. worldwide. Why? Because it's a TV show at its heart.
0: Yeah. It's a problem. You, you can and try because, and make it into a,
1: a movie franchise, right. but it's, it's not an event film. It has never been that. And that's the, that's the sad part about it is that it can't be that. Because once you try and make it into something that it's not, it becomes no use for anybody. Uh. Well, I'll ask you this, because here's, here, you know, this goes to the
0: heart of, you know, what you're talking about. You know, it, it, you know, why has it not been? One of the things I think that strikes me is is is, is something that isn't Star Trek about Into Darkness. And yes, the original series had crazy Commodores and crazy Admirals Mm -hmm. and stuff, but they were the outlier. They were usually, you know, and and there was usually a reason for their insanity.
2: Hold that thought when we get to beyond.
0: Well, well, this whole movie was um, uh, predicated on Peter Weller sort of being this evil guy that
1: was within, within Starfleet
0: and the whole idea of Star Trek being an optimistic hopeful future it begins with a terrorist act because a, a, a guy is trying to save his kid you know so it's for Khan's magic blood I, I right. you know that he, he basically kills innocent people you know in the Star Trek universe in Gene's man. universe someone does not Kill innocent people. Who is a Starfleet officer to get magic blood from Khan?
2: Well, the, the you're that's a much much uh, bigger can of worms that in the the extent that what does Star Trek mean? Like, what is the meaning of Star Trek? And I think that the original series and Next Generation and definitely even Deep Space Nine, especially in its own way, still captured what it meant to be Star Trek. I don't think Voyager and Enterprise worked as well at it, but. But I think that the, the further away you get from the original series, the further away you get from like shows that Gene Roddenberry himself had a hand on, the further away you're getting from the spirit of Star Trek. And I think that's a big problem. I think that's a big problem in the case of Star Trek Discovery, which I'm really trying very hard to like. Um, but it is, it is something that they brought back around. Or the third movie, the one that JJ did not direct but did produce, that was Star Trek Beyond, directed by Justin Lin. That movie came a little closer back to TOS, as we original series fans like to call it. And while Star Trek 2009, I think, is the best movie of the three Kelvin movies, Star Trek Beyond is my favorite because it feels more like Star Trek. It felt like a throwback. The, 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 Uh, the way that the crew is separated. Mm -hmm. And you have... Kirk and Chekhov, like you did in uh, uh, Game sort of Triskelion, and you have Spock and McCoy, like you did in Galileo 7, and you have a Starship Commander who went off the rails, like in Omega Glory and The Doomsday Machine. Oh my god, Scott, I Scott, love Scott. Star Trek. Now
0: behind. I'm gonna have to be the Darren on this one. Go for because, it because you know, oh, look. I sat
2: next to you with Star
0: both Trek. Be in yeah, okay, <laughs>
3: that means I'm gonna be the Ashley again, <laughs> just keeping track on my scorecard. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I look, I, you know, look, with the first two movies, I feel I have a lot of respect for the fact that they were the gateway drug for new fandom i understand the love and i understand the hate and i'm somewhere probably in the middle on on those films i i respect the you know what they were trying to do, I think they succeed in some respects and fail in others. He but knew be-
1: Hyman Roth. He respected Hyman <laughs> Roth.
4: <laughs>
0: but but uh, I think Beyond is is just a mess. And you're absolutely right. We sat next to each other at the screening. Yep. And I, I you know I don't think I was uh, that uh, uh, flummoxed uh, since uh, Phantom Menace and Generations. I you know? I
2: remember specifically watching watching Starship Beyond again at the AMC Century City, sitting right next to Mark Altman. And it was a packed screening. Simon Pegg, who co wrote the screenplay with Doug Young, came to introduce the film. And I was very, very excited. Now, there had been four, it was a four year break between 2009 and Into Darkness. And it was only a three Not year long break. enough. <laughs> <laughs> there was only a three year break between Into Darkness and Beyond. But there were other problems stacked against Beyond, which I will address because I think that had a key, played a key factor in Star Trek Beyond being the lowest grossing movie worldwide of the three with only $363 million, $100 million less than Into Darkness. Mm -hmm. But at the moment when Uhura sees the video monitors and sees Idris Elba as a human, as the commander of the Franklin and realizes that this guy Kral, the, the villain with all the makeup, is the same guy and you realize that he was a starship commander who lost it. Who went off the rails, even prompting Kirk to say to him during their battle, what happened to you out there? Because that was something that could have happened to Chris Pines James T. Kirk I felt like that was a classic original series moment and I just went oh my god it was a great surprise it was a great twist it was a great nod to the original show because of all the other Starfleet commanders who lost their minds and you at the same time you were done you've had it you wanted to to douse the screen with a nitrate film like Inglorious Bastards and burn the house down but you didn't Scott Yes. I will now, however. <laughs> let, me,
1: let me explain the difference oh. to you. Okay, here we go. The difference between... School is in session, baby. <laughs> the difference between how uh, Beyond tackled that, that question and how I think TOS would have. TOS would have revealed that there's this alien who is uh, leading this band of uh, uh, mercenaries on this planet, um, and he used to be a Starfleet commander in the teaser... And then we would have dealt with that problem during the episode. It's not the capper to a story. It's the beginning of a story. And it should be because that's a mystery that we need to find out about. And
2: that's a story rather than just a moment that, I see they, your point. that they move to. I see your point. But at the same time, TV is TV, film is film. You're talking about two different story mediums. Storytelling is storytelling. <laughs> but but as a film, <laughs> yes, it's, 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 I sorry. think the pot device does work the <laughs> beyond because I medium. wasn't expecting it. <laughs> And it was a great you surprise. You weren't expecting it. No, I was. I did. I no idea. I wasn't expecting Crawl to be the commander of the Kraken. Oh uh, God, so, that the, and so did I. Oh. I didn't see that coming. And by the way, I do agree now, that story-wise, the movie's a mess. I still don't. I, I've seen the movie. I don't know a dozen times, and I'm still not exactly sure why he had this uh, metamorphosis.
0: I'm yeah. not sure why you have an actor with the power and the charisma of Idris Elba. You finally have like this great actor, probably the most interesting actor since Christopher Plummer playing a villain, and you bury him in bad foam latex. I agree with you. I, 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 but, but, And I'm going to give you because you need to go, but, <laughs> I, but I have to say, because this movie really worked me up. You start a movie... With Captain Kirk. Right.
1: Saying, bored yeah. of
0: being in space. Saying, I like it. We're out here. We're looking at science. He's when, having a crisis uh, of conscience. I, 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 I think I'm going to give up being a captain. I mean... That's not, again unearned. That, that's not Captain Kirk. Now, I could understand that's Captain Pike, right? You know, and maybe if he had lo- was thinking about all the people he's lost and the bad decisions he's made, and he, maybe he's too young. He's, uh, into Darkness did that clumsily at the beginning. They wanted to rectify all the criticism of 2009. He got promoted to captain way too fast, right? Probably was, but but then in, in Darkness, it's like he makes the decision. You know, to, to to show the ship, to beam Spock to mm-hmm. safety, and they're like, you're demoted. You're not prepared to be captain. Which kind of, I had problems, like, that's yeah, but, weird. Yeah, but,
2: you know, I, I agree with you that Chris Pine's Captain Kirk felt more like Captain Pike. The irony is that Anson Mount's Captain Pike in Star Trek Discovery Season 2 feels more like Captain Kirk. You know, he looked like he really liked being a captain. Uh, right. Captain Pike, play, yeah, played I'm, by I'm insomount. talking about Beyond, and <laughs> the, 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 the,
0: so it gets off on the on on the on the wrong foot, and and it just never recovers f- from that. And uh, it, you know, there's a brief moment where they pay homage to Leonard Nimoy, which
2: I fun. love that moment, but. I think the reason that
0: people like Beyond is because there are a couple of glimmers of real Star Trek in there between Spock and McCoy, where it's taken three movies to finally get to that relationship, which always worked, which was the Spock-McCoy and Carl Urban, a passionate fan of the original, who is literally... Resurrected the McCoy. He yeah, is, the you know, Kelly. brings yep. D. Kelly back to life. Agreed. And and they finally give him something to do. And people are like this is a real Star Trek movie. Yeah, for ten minutes, it's 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 kind of a real Star Trek movie.
2: All right, all right wait, wait. Anyway, go ahead. you go. Okay.
0: <laughs>
3: so, my feelings. Here's the deal. My feelings are complicated. <laughs> uh, Thursday. I will say first of all that that I found many things in uh, in in beyond many individual sequences. Enjoyable, fun, uh, kind of well designed. I really dug like all the stuff with uh, with uh, Spock and McCoy. Um, that said, I, I think that that Darren's fix is actually a, a really great one, and I'll tell you why. Because number one, if our introduction to that character is an understanding that he's a Starfleet officer who has gone off the rails. Then that informs literally every other scene that follows, and it plugs right back into the theme that's set up with with Kirk, right? Yeah, by the because, grace of God,
0: go I. Exactly,
3: yeah. and yeah. all of the questions that are so interesting, like what happened to you out there, you know, that becomes really the question that follows Kirk throughout, right? And it also sets up this idea that he might really be in trouble because much like a, a con. Right, It's like, here's somebody who who understands how I think, what I do, how I play by the book. Like he probably helped write the goddamn book. So now what am I going to do? right now it really is sauce for the goose and that right. feels like it's a it's a worthy uh, opponent for for captain kirk in that story um because while there, i think that there are some i mean I, like i really dig the sequence where the enterprise gets destroyed spoiler alert i think that like that's really just a do cool you? idea i do because i think that like what happens with that just as an idea i thought was like visually just
0: very the swarm. interesting i like the swarm yeah but that's what, you I'm know talking what? About. i just once i'd like to see the enterprise kick
3: ass yeah rather oh than yeah me too getting, no question but i just I yeah. in the, the first 20 terms. minutes. I like the swarm on its own terms. Yes, I agree with that. Um and I liked the sequence with uh with with Kirk and Chekhov on the on the uh, on the saucer and and all that stuff. I thought there was a lot of cool stuff like that. Um you know, but ultimately like the the movie for me, I, I agree with Aaron. It kind of waited so long to to hook into what it was truly, truly, truly about. And as Mark said, you've got Idris Elba. You bury him in makeup. You put stuff bad money. I agree. Bad makeup. And and you can't tell from his voice that it's him. So there is no part of his performance that is left in that character until suddenly it is Idris Elba in front of you. And I think that that's such a mistake. It's like, it's one of the things that Discovery struggled with mightily in the first season of that show when they had these actors as the Klingons buried in makeup, their eyes like hidden by things. And And the
0: entire performance has to be looped because they can't enunciate. So you're not even getting a real performance. That's right.
2: I, 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 I agree with you completely. About the makeup and about wasting Idris Elba's talents, I agree that the You're movie. You're about the moment, though. You know the 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 structure of the film. You know the 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 some of the plot points I, I thought were con- were were convoluted. But at the same time, the movie has so many merits. You know, finally, you have the Enterprise out into deep space. They're not hanging around the Earth. It's They're so boring. five year mission. Okay. It's boring Wait, being in deep on. space. Wait. Wait a minute. <laughs> the other thing is that you have moments I, I felt like really did take me back to that some of the charms of the original series in the beginning of the film when Kirk and McCoy are having a drink for his birthday mm-hmm. uh that reminded me of the scene in Balance of Terror when uh, Kirk says all i ask is uh, you know I, I i he no he says um uh all uh, oh, i uh, 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 you know uh, uh, uh go go while, uh, I wish I went a you know long sea voyage, uh, no uh, frantic dancing, no responsibilities. You know why me? You know that moment in balance of terror reminded me of the uh, birthday scene in in Starship Beyond and all the stuff with Kirk with with Spock and McCoy separated from the crew, and you know that dynamic really made me think of the Galileo Seven and the scene in uh, uh, Bread and Circuses where they're in the jail they're in mm-hmm. the jail cell and McCoy says, "I know why you're not afraid of dying. You're more afraid of living." Like. I thought those moments really, really, really worked. And only one thing can save them.
0: Captain Kirk on a motorcycle. And don't forget. Come on.
2: Don't forget. There were so many things stacked against Star Trek Beyond working. First of all, you had the original script written by Bob Orsi, who was going to direct the film. Mm -hmm. That was jettisoned. And Simon Pegg and Doug Young did a page one rewrite of the film in in order to meet a July 2016 release date. Then what do they do? We know how well that usually works out. Hang on. Just hear me out. You had the first teaser trailer for Star Trek Beyond that went up with Star Wars, uh, uh, The Force Awakens. That 90-second teaser trailer made it look like Fast and Furious in space as it should because it was directed by Fast and Furious director Justin Lin. And it was a horrible, horrible teaser trailer. So there's all this stuff, you know, I I was disappointed in that teaser. And then you didn't have any footage. But it wasn't lying. But just hang on. You didn't have any footage (laughs) to (laughs) debut at CinemaCon. In April. Mm -hmm. April. The movie opens in July. So by the time you actually had an event to promote uh, uh, Star Trek Beyond, they had this big event on the Paramount lot where they showed a couple of extended scenes and a brand new trailer that really made the movie look, wow, this actually looks pretty good. But it was the end of May. The movie opened at the end of July. It was too late. And by the end of July, people were sick of the action movies after having them in May and June. But you know what? The, Look, date the movie was could have made
0: twelve cents. If it was a great movie, we'd still love right, it. Okay, right. what, what, what is fate at the back box office is not what the show is about. Who cares about the, the reason fate?
1: it didn't do as well as Into Darkness is because people had seen Into Darkness.
2: I agree. A lot of people did like Into and, Darkness, and, and they
1: and they were they were done. But again, they, I, they would have shown up for the right Star Trek movie. No, that's absolutely wouldn't. true.
2: If you put the the, the vibe and the feel. And the throwback feel of Beyond into Star Trek two thousand nine, you would have had a perfect Star Trek movie. Uh, two thousand nine works uh, for many many merits, and I've addressed them before. Make sure you listen to that version of yeah, the Inglorious Bastards podcast. And I Trek-sports. think that Beyond Beyond works for <laughs> other reasons as a as a Star Trek movie, not Star Trek's answer to Star Wars. And then there's there's Into Darkness, which I'm, I'm mixed on. I lean towards liking it, and I've seen it many times because I do like the characters in the action. But Beyond is my favorite Star Trek Kelvin timeline movie.
0: Yeah, it's amazing because we're so simpatico on so much, and I, I can't fathom— how you you like beyond so much <laughs> I, you know I, again it's like you know I, I like the beastie boys as much as anyone but you know it's like See, i, I really didn't need to hear uh, sabotage again i would have been happy with intergalactic yeah you know paul's boutique you know bring it on but uh it's just like oh man but okay
1: let let's let's my, my, move to ashley yes one one more thing okay. my my main thing is that i just want i just wanted them to make sense I just wanted them to have a story that felt like one thing should lead to another and the characters should react to this in realistic way. You got money. You got a great cast. Why is it so hard? Right.
3: Okay. Uh, So uh, it's funny because, as I said, I've got a complicated relationship with this movie. Um, And (laughs) for about 10 seconds there, I was involved in this movie Uh, and almost... Heavily, uh, so I was there, like at the kind of at the at the ground floor, sort of watching what was happening with uh, with Bob, um, because when that. Bob process Orsey. with Bob Orsi. When that process the original writer, began, director. Um, you know, there were writers who had been hired when I think JJ was going to do it. And then JJ went off to do Star Wars. So that wasn't happening anymore. Those writers hadn't written. Um, Bob had, had come in and he wanted to make the movie. He wanted to hire his own writers and the guys that he wanted to hire were, were me and Zach. Mm-hmm. So this was like, this spent about 10 seconds uh, in the news circa Comic-Con, I think two years before that, that movie came out. 15. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, we got asked lots of questions about it. We couldn't really talk about it. At that point, you know, it seemed like it was, it was actually going to happen. A lot of things happen on the way to the forum. (laughs) Um, ultimately, uh, you know, Bob, uh, didn't get his way in a lot of things. And the the reasons for that are incredibly complicated. Uh, And I think that, you know, look, deep down, not even deep down, I think even on the surface, Bob loves Star Trek. Like, he loves Star Trek as much as any of us love Star Trek. Um, One of the things that I remember him very, very clearly, distinctly saying, you know, that he wanted to get back to was, you know, this idea with with just the – the combat in space, of feeling more like a submarine, more like you know about the the tension from you know Wrath of Khan and and all of those things. Those things were really important to him, um, and I think you know is kind of the opposite of the Fast and, and the Furious in space. <laughs> it's a very different style. Sure of us. totally. Yeah. And, and there were so many things that it just I just I I look at that film and I see bizarro world interpretations of of things that that we talked about. I remember when when we went in our our pitch on it. And then that kind of evolved. But uh, the pitch was, yes, it was a story about Captain Kirk, you know, wrestling with, am I in the right place? But it wasn't about, wow, space can be boring, right? And nobody prepared me for how boring it can be. <laughs> um, what we really wanted to do was was leverage some of the themes that had been developed from 2009 and into and into darkness, um, you know, which is first the you know the the legacy of his of his father and how do you live up to that, and then in into darkness, um, his relationship with the rest of the crew and this whole idea of family and what is that, and we wanted to bring some of that forward. I mean, our uh, our conceit for what the movie would have been is, you know, we would have had uh, Carol Marcus in it, oh, and we would have wow. learned, you know, a very early in the film. Um, that Jim Kirk has a secret. His secret is that he's involved with Carol Marcus and Carol Marcus has a secret. She's pregnant. She's pregnant. (laughs) And there is a a fight in the beginning of the movie and Kirk doesn't know that she's pregnant. And he gives one of those orders that kind of leaves her in a place where if things go badly, she's dead. Now, somehow, they manage to get through it and she doesn't die, but he finds out the truth, right? Like, holy crap. And it Hmm. shakes him. It throws him, and he starts to wonder because he just had been through this experience um, that obviously very much echoed uh, the 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 circumstances of his of his own birth, and the story that would have followed was actually about. Uh, it's funny because again, I see these elements like the like the 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 Dyson sphere sort of evolved from a whole bunch of things, but. But in our original pitch, and this is why I was like, yeah, I kind of like it when they, when they, you know, have these opportunities to sort of retell these stories. It was a little bit dooms machine, doomsday machine. It was a little bit balance of terror. Mm. Uh where Kirk finds himself, you know, up against a Romulan commander. It didn't have to be the Romulan commander who was protecting a secret and the secret is the Romulans have found this thing, this doomsday machine which hasn't been activated. And the whole theme of the film was that we are locked in this war with each other. We've never seen each other's faces and we keep building these weapons to kill each other, to destroy each other. Right? All of these these horrible things happen. We would have like, you know, connected it back to Star Trek 2009 and here is this gigantic floating objective correlative in the middle of space that can destroy us both. And the third act of that pitch was the Romulan commander and Kirk on the Enterprise uh, teaming up. Wow. Mm-hmm, to go oh. up against the uh, the Doomsday Machine. Um, and it was going to be a, a completely different film. U- ultimately, that evolved because of a, a lot of other factors into things like the, the Dyson Sphere came from an idea that Bob had had about Um, you know, can we do something with new Vulcan, right? Like that there's like a a new Vulcan out there. Right. right? Mm -hmm. But then you talk about things that get in the way of movies. One of the the notes from the studio was, right? Well, we feel like Star Trek works best when Earth is involved somehow. So Mm -hmm. how can we do that? It's an old Paramount chestnut. Yep. And it came back again and beyond. And so I think that how the Dyson sphere evolved was a way of involving Earth in a way that satisfied oh, Paramount. You mean how Earth was involved in Wrath of Khan. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But they don't <laughs> see it that way because yeah. the way they see it is, you know, uh, motion picture made a lot of money. 80 million. Uh, right? Star Trek Four made a lot of money. Star Trek 2009 made a lot of money. As far as they were concerned, Star Trek Into Darkness made a lot of money. All those thi- all those movies have, like, Earth right. as as part of the stakes,
0: this right? is the same thing that Brandon and Ron had to deal with on next generation. they The Paramount would always give the same note. Earth needs to be in jeopardy right. because well, those the movies that work,
3: mm-hmm. right? It's like that's what the, that's what the studio thinks. And so that was was there. There was um, I mean, there was all kinds of stuff. actually, I think the the coolest, well, I don't know if it was the coolest if, if it would have worked at all. um, but we even we even had like a a moment at the end of that at the end of that pitch that was um, Starfleet Command being under attack. This is how we were going to solve the Earth thing, right? Starfleet Command is under attack. It's it's Klingon ships. It's like you know the the Enterprise is out there. She's whatever, and um, you know the uh, the the Klingon commander beams into Starfleet Command, and you know the admiral in charge you know surrenders. And like the was the, it Picard? It was. It wasn't <laughs> Picard. Uh, it the the Klingon. Commander, who's in charge, like you know, it basically delivers a, a very famous line. You know, you know, re, there's an old Klingon proverb that you know, uh, "Revenge the is a dish that's best served serve cold. cold." And he pulls off his helmet, and it's con, It's Benedict Cumberbatch, and and route. But the goal was to have told this story about Jim Kirk realizing that you know that he could that he could balance um, his fears. Right of uh, of the life that he was leading, um, and the risks that that life entailed, against the responsibility that he felt toward his family,
2: and you know I, I I'm sad that we didn't get to make that movie. What, what? Let me ask you a question. What? First of all, hearing this, my mind is racing with visual imagery of this cast taking on this scope in a Star Trek feature. And wishing, what if? What if? But what was the ultimate thing that made Paramount hit the brakes, start from scratch, and bring on Simon Pegg and Doug Young and Justin Lin?
3: Um, I think what truly what happened is this. So, after, well, okay, after all that happened, um, and some of the politics had worked itself out, Bob and uh, and Zach and I went off to do Power Rangers, okay?
4: And for Lionsgate. For the, Lionsgate. The, re- the reimagining yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: of Power And we were in the middle of beginning, the middle of the beginning of that process when Bob suddenly had to drop out because I think Paramount realized that, you know, he was off, you know, producing this other movie when they wanted to be directing. Yeah, yeah. And then I think, um, you know, a, just a lot of things got complicated, I think, for, for Bob in terms of making that film. And I think that there were just a lot of issues with development. I don't want to speak for him, but I, I don't think that he was kind of super happy with the way things were, were moving forward in terms of just what the expectations were for what the movie was going to be. Um, and ultimately, once Bob left that film, I, I think that the studio was still in that place where you go, the, the show must go on. Mm-hmm. right and then how do you how yeah. do you adjust to that how do you yeah. fix that
2: yeah well again you know but the fact that they had to start from scratch and they did not push the movie back at all they were on a, 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 an accelerated production schedule now mm-hmm. starting a script from scratch i think you know being inside baseball and everything knowing this backstory especially this backstory like the movie actually turned out pretty good under the circumstances. <laughs> I think it turned out pretty well, good. I still don't think that Beyond is a perfect Star Trek movie. I'm excited that they're actually moving forward now with a fourth movie featuring the uh, you well, know Noah Chris am Totally on, exactly on that toe. train. Maybe I love Noah. I, I'm I mean I'm not we'll saying if it happens. I'm, I'm yeah. on the fence about the director. I've never seen uh, what is it Fargo Legion. Mm. Uh, I've good. never I've never seen those shows, but I did see Lucy in the Sky. of like getting David Lynch bad. to direct Dune, but <laughs> but but no, I I you know was disappointed that the proposed Star Trek number four, as they were calling it, uh, that was going to bring back uh, Chris Hemsworth as George Kirk. That just made me immediately think, in terms of doing their own version of TOS, Mm -hmm. that this was going to be a mirror universe story. Because how else are you going to bring George Kirk back? Maybe in the mirror universe, George Kirk never died. And I just felt like, okay, well, instead of doing an actual time travel, this is going to be the Kelvin version of the mirror universe. Or
1: perhaps the Kelvin-verse has always been the mirror universe. Right? <laughs> okay,
2: maybe. <laughs> it's well, I know. well, there's other po- timelines Look, out there.
1: And- I just want to make a, a closing statement for me. Um, I don't hate these films. I really don't. I don't feel... Animosity toward you don't them. feel connected to them. Is what you I don't talking. feel connected, and I just feel sadness that they couldn't have been, they couldn't have done more with the amazing toys that they had to play with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well,
0: I will say to me, what Ashley says is so. I think one of the reasons it's so. It is so heartbreaking that this did not see the light of projector bulb. Besides the fact, it would have been great to to see Ashley write a Star Trek movie. But um, is because as hard Star Trek works when it's about character. The the stuff that works in Star Trek two thousand nine are the character moments. The stuff that works in Dark Into Darkness. I know a lot of people hate Uhura and Spock bickering in the shuttle in front of. I love that Mm -hmm. because it's something I didn't see in the original, and it's it's clever and it's a relationship that's a different spin, but it's believable. I bought it to me. It's character. I. I, I like that, you know, and I love when Star Trek comes through to you you know, exploring character. I think what you know Ashley and Zach would have done with Bob is, is you know character. it's not fan service it's it's you know uh you know, it's just a really smart way uh to expand the universe. It would have been great, um and uh I just whatever the the future brings, I hope that it really. Um, explores these characters in a deeper, more complex way and surprising way. You know, just because
1: explore we... the space.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, I just, I just felt like also just the, uh, uh, the the nods to obviously the movie Beyond. I'm talking about was a was a send off for Nimoy in its own way. Uh, that moment at the end. Where uh, the uh, Kelvin Spock uh, sees the picture of the original series crew that really got to me. Obviously, I hate that, that was earned for over a lifetime of it's love a for that crew. Just press photo. Just hang on. Uh, 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 I, come them, on, on it's fan it was a nice incarnate. moment, but it worked as a fan of the original and of the, the original films. I bought it hook, line, and sinker, and I also thought it was a very touching moment. Was oh, it
0: still or the original crew we can use. I'm I got being, one. I
2: bought a convention. I'm being a freaking fan and trying to uh, to show my love for these movies here. <laughs> so so let me have my moment. But the other moment, <laughs> I felt like. But your moment sp- is fading. It's such a good sport. This one <laughs> the, the the moment on the space station, you know, after they're rebuilding the the new Enterprise, Enterprise A, I guess, you know, for the Kelvin universe, when. Kirk raises a, a glass and he says to, you know, to absent friends. And the camera shows mm. a, a wide shot of everybody. And there's Anton Yelchin mm-hmm. as Chekhov, who had died like like crazy. It was a crazy, mm-hmm. a crazy uh, freak uh, accident. So freak sad. Freak accident. So freak sad. Freak accident. So, so sad. Just a month before. Yeah. Star Trek Beyond Open, June 20th, 2016. It was a Sunday when I when I first saw the news. And it was just a nice moment because, you know, when he says to absent friends, it doesn't do a one-shot of Anton Yelchin, but you see him standing there. It was definitely a deliberate thing on the part of Justin Lin to, uh, to you know, call him out. I mean, and I just thought the movie worked on a lot of levels. Not a perfect film. I still have issues with it, but... As a glass is half full kind of guy, or a glass is uh, almost full kind of guy, there's a whole lot of lot to love about Star Trek Beyond. Uh, that
0: was some rotten milk for me in that glass, but uh, you know that's what makes horse races. You know, we said it before. It's like the great thing, the reason with the show, our show sustains, is because each week we can discuss these things from different perspectives. Yeah. And you know, it'd be really boring if we all agreed about everything.
3: That's for sure. Because <laughs> then we'd just be telling the same stories over and over again.
2: Well, that could Don't. be interesting too, but uh, but I love that moment at the end of By Any Other Name, when Kirk calls see. the bridge and he says, "Turn the ship around," and he straightens his shirt. We're going home. See, and,
0: that, <laughs> and on that note, we it's can so all agree. Right. But I I want to get go back to Ashley just to to sort of sum up, you know, uh, because we need to wrap up, but where does where do we go from here you know and 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 what's your final takeaway on what uh, what happened with beyond and the the legacy of beyond and, and and where star trek goes as a movie franchise from here um
3: my final take on beyond is you know i i have nothing but nice things to say about about bob uh he was a a total mensch uh through that entire process and again that dude loves his star trek um and honestly it, J.J. treated us very well as well. I mean, I don't really have anything negative to say about, you know, what happened in that process at all. It's just it's a process, man. Making movies is hard. It's a it's a miracle that they get made at all. You know, I mean, now more than ever, now more than ever, for sure. Um, And nobody, you know, whether you love that movie or you hate that movie you know, nobody sets out to make a movie that you don't love. Nobody does that, right? Everybody, well, I guess except for Stuart Baird and Star Trek Nemesis. Oh. Like, oh. people <laughs> generally speaking, you know, pour themselves into these things, um, and they're just really difficult to do. I, I think that um, you know, moving forward, I am, I, I'm very optimistic about the the Noah Hawley Star Trek. I think that uh, I think he's brilliant. Um, I think he could potentially do something very interesting and unexpected and unexpected, very sci-fi, but also very, very character driven, um, which I think is, is where Star Trek wants to live. Because if you can marry that devotion to character and emotionally connect them to these big science fiction ideas, and then you put that against, you know, this this very large. Um, backdrop of a, of a feature film scale, I, I think there's an opportunity to do something special. But it all has to come down to the characters and their emotional relationship with that thing, because when it's not there, it doesn't work. It's why we can still talk fondly about Star Trek V, even though, I mean, come on, we all know the reason why they put the seatbelts in the theater that summer, you know, it just because the stuff with the characters was great. Yeah, it's like that's that's what Absolutely. we agree with you about. Sir. And yeah.
2: also, you know, as long as they move forward, and I'm sure I'll have your backing on this Doc, is just just stop trying to be something else. Mm-hmm. Just be Star Trek. Yep. Stop Absolutely. trying to be the MCU Star Wars. Stop trying to do that. Just be Star, be Star Trek. Trek. And just and just to give you uh, to bring it back to the beginning when you were reading fan reviews of Inglorious experts so. You I wrote was, that one, didn't you? That two-star. Uh, I, I did not. <laughs> but Scott was great. But the, uh, the other night, I was at my happy place, which is the Arc Light Cinema mm. in Hollywood. It's mm. my favorite place to go to. That's and good. I was there because I was doing the Q&A with Ryan Johnson for Knives Out. Which is great. great. And it, it's a great movie. It's a lot of fun. And it was a sold-out screening, 820 seats at the Dome. Mm. And every seat, everybody stayed for the Q&A. After the Q and A, you know, Ryan's like, you know, signing autographs, posing for pictures and I'm just I just like to sneak out, you know. As I'm walking out, somebody comes up to me and goes, You're Scott Mance and I said, Yeah, you know, like, uh oh. And he, he says, Oh, down, I'm Connie. a big fan and I'm trying to figure out like where does he know me from? Is it, you know, like Collider, is it K T L A and maybe he's one of the three people who actually watched Access Hollywood. <laughs> right? So he goes, I heard your podcast on Inglorious Trux It's about Star Aww. Trek two thousand nine. And he says that was some of the best conversation I ever heard anyone have about anything that had anything to do with Star Trek. That's awesome. That's, nice. So, that's, that's really nice. So there you go. I know.
0: Look, and we appreciate you you coming into the lion's stand again uh, because you know obviously, <laughs> uh, but you know, I and we said at the end last time, we'll say it again. We're all friends. Nobody expects anybody to change their opinion. Nobody is damning somebody for no. you know th- what they love. It, you know, it's great. I wish we all could love everything be because we but,
4: embrace
1: infinite diversity. In infinite, infinite combinations, and, uh, except that one, I will never forget sitting next to you at
0: Beyond. And I mean, we were yeah, you know, we were both it into darkness, and I think we both came out with similar feelings. Yeah, but there did. was a lot to like. There mm-hmm. was a lot we didn't. Mm-hmm. But you know, Beyond, it was, it was we couldn't have been more diametrically opposed, and neither of us could fathom the other person's feelings about I, yeah, it. Yeah,
2: I remember that night, you know, vividly. Like, how could you not like it? How could you like it? It yeah.
0: was great. And it's funny because Ed Gross also loved it. And so you guys were like, I don't understand Altman. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, just if Captain Kirk never rides a motorcycle again, I'll be very happy. (laughs) So anyway, Scott, thank you so much for uh, joining us. Ashley, welcome back. Thank Thank you you. for joining us and sharing your Star Trek memories. Yeah, that's a great story. Your Star Trek Beyond. Um, And thank you, audience, except for that one... Schmuck. Uh, <laughs> now, <laughs> no, now. actually, thank you. Like we said, we tolerate all opinions, and if that's your opinion, that's well, that's your opinion well, too. Well, that's your opinion too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, thank you, everyone, for joining us for Inglorious Trexperts. and uh, we're all big enough to take a few insults, I would say. Hey, mm-hmm. and uh, if you're a fan of this uh, podcast, you may oh, want to check out Electric Surge's <laughs> other podcasts like the 4:30 Movie, in which a panel of filmmakers curate a fantasy theme week of classic movies every Friday. As uh, well as best movies ever made every other Monday. Now, uh, you can also stream video podcasts of all your favorite Electric Surge stream. shows on Electric Now. Download the Stir, Zumo, or Distro TV apps on your tablet, phone, or TV, and you can watch us. Well, I was gonna say live and in person. You can't watch us live, but you can watch <laughs> us, nor in person. But you can watch us on uh, these wonderful apps. The Electric Now channel is great. Uh, new episodes, of, not new episodes, but you can watch episodes of *Leverage*, *Outpost*, uh, *Librarians*. A lot of different movies, and of course all our electric search podcasts. So check it out. I really enjoy watching it until my kids come in and call me out on it. (laughs) Also, uh, if you enjoyed this podcast, uh, please rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. And you too may uh, have your review read on the show in the future. Wait,
2: wait. I just want to say, if you agree with me about Star Trek Beyond, if you disagree with me about Star Trek Beyond, or Into Darkness or 2009, hit me up on Twitter at Movie Mance. I want to know who you are. That's at Movie Mance. Let me know. Great point, please.
0: Beyond. Continue the conversation at Movie Mance at Inglorious Trek on Twitter or on Instagram at Inglorious Trek Experts. So, do you have an Instagram account, Scott?
2: Uh, yes, at Movie Mance. At
0: Movie Mance also. So let Scott know. He, 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 uh, he needs love to, to hear you from back. you. He wants to hear from you. Uh, it'll be the Citizen cane of uh, Twitter feeds. So finally, a very special thanks to uh, Bill Ritter and everyone here at Electric Surge Network, including producers Nally Miscalli and of course Dean Devlin, without whom the show would not be possible. Thank you guys. Another great show in the books, and we'll see you uh, next week, uh, ingloriously. What? We'll trek.
2: Uh, oh, we'll keep on trekking, totally.
0: ingloriously, of course.
2: And uh, don't go flipping.
0: Oh, and don't forget the fifty-year vision <laughs> <laughs> now in paperback. Check it out. Oh, wow. Available wherever books are sold. Look, it's, it's less hefty. And you can carry way, it around. I got to
2: be interviewed for that. You
0: were interviewed for the book, and you talk about how great Metamorphosis is. Go figure. <laughs> 50-year mission in paperback wherever books are sold. See you next week. Shh. Engage.